0: It was definitely a practice of not expecting anything, not comparing myself to who I was before, being there and seeing and and realizing that it's really such a blessing to just be able to move and not have that like expectation.
1: Hello, yogis, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 69. This week, my guest is a woman who inspires literally hundreds of thousands of people with her yoga practice every single day. And she happens to be an old friend from a teacher training that we did together a few years ago. You just heard from Amina Taha. In the time that has passed since Amina and I did that teacher training together, she has gone through some radical transformations in both her yoga practice and her life. And those changes are some of the topics of this conversation. The major one, of course, is that she became pregnant and became a mother. What you'll hear from Amina in this episode is that going through the changes of pregnancy, going through the shifts in her body and her mind and even her sensory perception taught her to step into presence in a way that she hadn't learned from all of her previous yoga study up until that point. Amina also talks about what postpartum recovery training from a Western perspective has in common with Ashtanga Yoga. And then she tells us a little bit about her other new baby, the living room yoga sessions, her online platform, which teaches people how to develop a home practice, even when they don't have access to a studio, which was her situation not too long ago. Finally, she leaves us with some advice for yogis who have just become pregnant or who are planning to become pregnant in the near future. So stick around through these announcements and we'll dive right into my interview with Amina Taha. Hey yogis, I've got a bunch of events coming up, both in New York City and also on the travel schedule, and I hope you can join me for some of these. The big one that I'm really excited about right now is my one-year anniversary yoga party. A year ago, I made the decision to take on a vegan diet, plant-based diet, and I'm celebrating that by hosting a benefit class where 25% of proceeds will be donated to the Woodstock Farm Sanctuary in upstate New York and support their efforts to provide love and care to animals rescued from industrial slaughter. But this is not going to be just any regular yoga class. It's also going to be a pizza party with delicious plant based vegan food provided by Screamers Pizzeria, Koku, which is a cultured coconut dessert, and we're going to raffle off prizes from some of my other favorite plant based brands like Keats Co. Plant Bites, Future Kind, the essential vegan multivitamin, and Ideal Raw, which makes organic plant based protein. This event is happening on Saturday, August seventeenth, from five to eight thirty p.m. at Lighthouse Yoga School. Apart from the vegan anniversary event, I've also got a handstand workshop coming up at Lighthouse. Rocket Yoga masterclasses happening at Pure Yoga West, and travel dates set for Frisco, Texas, outside of Dallas, Austin, Texas, and Bucerias, Mexico. You can get all the details for these events and sign up at henrywins.com slash events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways whether you're still searching for your purpose or already. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my friend Amina Taha on the call. Amina is a yoga teacher and practitioner, mother, and co-founder of Living Room Yoga Sessions, a platform to encourage a daily practice of love, non-attachment, and faith. To Amina, yoga is about uncovering the infinite possibility within your body and mind. Amina and I go back to a teacher training a few years ago, and I'm sorry to say that we have not done a good job of keeping up, so I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you, Amina?
0: I'm good. I'm so glad to be here, too.
1: A lot has changed for you since um, we were spending a lot of time together during that training. Since then you have had your first child, which is a big <laughs> launch this platform, which in a way is giving birth in another way. So I'm excited to mm-hmm. all these things with you. But first, I always open with the same question, and that's this: what does the word dharma mean to you? And what is your dharma as you understand it today?
0: So my dharma has definitely shifted since the last time we were practicing together at Lighthouse, (laughs) I thought at the time that my dharma was just, um, you know, uh, showing up and teaching and sharing my love for the practice, but uh, it has definitely shifted since then. I've kind of acquired a new meaning to the word, and I think now my dharma is to show up in all the different roles I have in my life right now, like as a mother, and as a teacher, as a practitioner, as a wife, (laughs) as all these different roles kind of take on. And to show up as I am every day, without any attachment to what I'm supposed to be, but just as I am, if that makes sense,
1: it does make sense. I think doing crossing that um that threshold into a new role can be very challenging in, in ways because it oftentimes um causes us to reflect on our identity but this is some of the work of of yoga really is to be detached from things that we think make us us when really it's something simpler and and truer and more universal than that
0: yeah that's very true that's very very true i i actually started to have these kind of questions like in the beginning of my pregnancy because everything that i knew physically in my world was changing so the way i felt was different like literally all your senses kind of transform, like the way you smell things, the way you even your vision changes, which is something people don't tell you. But <laughs> my vision was changing my you know sense of smell, sense of everything. So I started to really question, like, what is going on? You know, that definitely causes you to kind of let go of what you perceive as normal. And you start to embrace that things are about to change very radically and you just have to ride with it and not attach yourself to who your idea of who you are is you just let it you know unfold
1: that's really interesting i've never heard that before either about the way that your senses change um yeah but no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, wild. it's it's kind of perfect though really it's like biology's way of preparing you for a more behavioral and like lifestyle change that's about to come that will shake your identity as well it's like get definitely. ready definitely
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: What, what do you Everything mean by that also, exactly? Like, what do you mean your vision changed?
0: So for example, I've done my uh, LASIK surgery a while a while back, and my vision was always perfect, and I never had any issues seeing things. And um, then I went with my husband. He was getting his contact, so he's getting like a, a, a an eye check. And I realized that I couldn't see like the bottom... You know, f- few rows and I asked the doctor then and he was like yeah you're pregnant your vision changes and it's not going to come back to normal until you've had your baby and you're done breastfeeding that's when like the hormones level out and you get your eyesight back Wow! so I was like wow this is actually a thing <laughs> I, I'm seeing blurry things for a reason
1: yeah um, it's like yeah. you're giving your some of your power and energy to, to feed the, the growing baby inside you
0: yeah you're giving a lot of it and yeah. <laughs> You know, (laughs) and it's a it's a it's a happy sacrifice for sure. But it's it takes a while to understand what's going on. Like uh, I couldn't, for example, like taste water for a while. Like water to me tasted really bad. I had to put fruits in my water and stuff. So it's all these little things that happen, and you you start to, you know, (laughs) you start to physically feel different, and then it sort of takes on to your mental state as well. Like I was also having very crazy dreams. Things were just coming up that I had to like deal with. And then, um, I realized that it's just such a beautiful process of like a cleansing that you go through in your pregnancy to make way so that you're mentally lighter and prepared to just be fully like with your baby. Right. I don't know if that happens to everyone, but yeah,
1: yeah of course, we can only speak from our own experience. <laughs> For
0: ourselves, Yeah.
1: But, um, this is a really interesting idea that you you just brought up. It's you said it's a happy sacrifice that you make when it comes yeah. to your yoga practice. Of course, I'm sure many things changed physically and most likely emotionally and spiritually. Um, how how did you how did you feel about those changes? Did those also feel like a sacrifice, or did those feel like some sort of um, benefit that was that was gained from the new experience?
0: It definitely felt like a benefit. At first, I was trying, you know, very consistently to keep up my practice. I was going every morning to Ashtanga to practice uh, the Mysore-style Ashtanga every morning. And then I would realize that at some point I was just physically not really able to keep up with it. It would would be like, it was just very strenuous at the time. And I would sweat so much just doing a few vinyasas. (laughs) So it was a little bit... um, you know it was it was a lot so i i kind of just let go of that idea that i have to go practice every day and it's just shifted more into meditation and as the pregnancy progressed and i was feeling better i would fit in a practice here and there but it was mainly realizing that my asana practice is not what i need right now it's more you know it's more just feeling good <laughs> and that was the practice for then so uh, I shifted more into, like, I used to have a meditation practice, but it wasn't as, I guess, um, major as my asana practice. So they they kind of replaced each other in some ways during that time. And then um, after giving birth, I was, you know, getting, like I was reading a lot about how your practice is going to change and you're not going to feel the same and all these things. And I decided to disregard any other opinions and just see what happens you know in my asana practice on my mat for myself and there it was definitely a practice of not expecting anything not comparing myself to who i was before and not ex- comparing myself to you know even like the week before or anything like that just being there and seeing and, and realizing that it's really such a blessing to just be able to move and not have that like expectation and then definitely you get stronger mentally when you become a mother so that tied into my practice in some weird way like I was just able to find tap into more of my strength so um it was uh it was definitely like I for me it, it's not so much of like a that I'm comparing myself to who I was but that I gained something along the way that I'm I can that I didn't have before you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah I mean of of all those things I think something as simple as coming into true presence forced by like this very dynamic change is is a very profound benefit unto itself like if everything is changing from day to day that much then it it almost forces you not to compare from day to day because it's like it's not even relevant anymore
0: yeah it's not it's, it's it's crazy to even expect yourself to be the exact same as you were before you know, going through such a, such an experience because it's, you're not the same person and you've, you you know, physically or mentally or in in every way. And I think comparing yourself is like comparing yourself to another person. it's just irrelevant. Yeah. That's how it kind of always was for me. Like, I'm not going to compare myself because like physiologically I'm different and therefore it's I can't expect the same things of myself but I can expect to be better and to be stronger and to be you know it's, it's not like I have to take the sacrifice of oh things are different now you know I'm not going to try as hard no like I think you can still show up and you can still challenge yourself and still have your you know <laughs> your uh, little things that you're working on and do it do it with the same passion and excitement but you don't have to kind of oh it used to be easier for me back then or oh you know, mm-hmm. I think not just pregnancy, but we're going to go through things in our life that are going to force us to, to change. And you're always adding on more experience. So that's always a benefit.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Whether whether you are a man or a woman or getting pregnant or not, everybody is aging, right? So everyone yeah. faces <laughs> like the, the gradual death of the human form. So we all have to come to terms with this change. Like nothing in your physical practice is, is going to... Remain forever.
0: Yeah, but, coming to terms with it and honoring it, you know, as a part of also the practice.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So, apart from um, kind of switching the roles of the asana and meditation, where then the meditation kind of took center stage with the asana practice becoming more of the supportive role what sort of other changes did you make to your practice? And which of those changes have you carried through into motherhood?
0: Um, The physical practice, I definitely started to, to, to balance out strength with flexibility, because it was always easier for me to tap into my flexibility more, like to kind of rely on it, you know, rather than um, balancing it with strength. That was also very prevalent before my training at Lighthouse. (laughs) But then I started to realize, because at that time when you're pregnant, your hormones, you have a lot more flexibility in your body than you're used to. So there's a lot less control. So physically, I started to realize that I'm not going to go into my end range, you know, in my joints and uh, without supporting it with strength. So that's something that I did then that I started to, to try to find then. And I kept on even now it's been such a changing aspect of my practice that i now can't even imagine like i can't even imagine now just going into you know like for example a split without feeling that sense of control and if i can't control it i'm not going to go into it as deep
1: Mm -hmm. i'm sure doing your mysore practice helped with developing that strength
0: yeah, definitely. And and doing my mysore practice, not going into my back bends right away, right. just doing all the forward folds first and finding that that engagement. That that was also such an important part of my postpartum recovery, the pelvic floor lift and the navel drawing in and up and all that stuff. That's stuff I was reading about um in like helping close the abdominal separation that happens from pregnancy sometimes and all that, you know, deep core awareness was really transformative in my postpartum yoga practice.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So you're reading these like these um articles or, or pieces of advice for postpartum rec- like physical recovery and they were essentially referencing mulabandha and urdhiyana bandha.
0: It it was word for word. It was really crazy. <laughs> I was like this is what we learn in yoga and I, and you know in my training in Lighthouse I never understood what that meant and I always felt kind of like I was I was a little like not fully ready to be where where I was in that training. I was like, I don't understand these things, you know? And then now I'm like, I want to take the training again because now I I get it, I get Vula Bandha, I get Udiyana I get all these things because they're like, they are, there's the main uh, method of closing your gap if you have an abdominal separation is to lift your pelvic floor and draw your navel in and up towards your spine that's not (laughs) it's not like it's not a yoga thing it's like the postpartum you know diastasis recti thing yeah (laughs) and they tell you you can't do anything any strenuous movement where you're not able to do that first then don't do it because it makes your separation worse so for example if i'm picking up my baby from the floor i have to inhale then on my exhale i lift my pelvic floor draw my navel in and up and then i lift my baby that means i have control and it's not yoga it's I mean it's not t- taught in a yoga you know form yeah but it's so interesting how this is you know what what we learn about in yoga so
1: yeah
0: very uh, interesting. that's why it's yeah, always cool when you, is, when you see like
1: <laughs> different um like schools of thought arriving at the same conclusions I that always gives me Definitely. more faith in in the teaching itself
0: yes yes exactly and and you know what else was a, a huge component also in in healing that is diaphragmatic breathing and I never really also understood what that meant at Lighthouse, <laughs> admitting right now that I kind of always was like, okay, breathe into my ribs. Like, what is that? And then I realized that that, so when you breathe your diaphragmatic breath, that's how you get your core to function the way it's naturally designed to function. So you inhale and your pelvic floor relaxes naturally. And when you exhale with a diaphragmatic breath, your pelvic floor lifts and your um, your you get like a slight core contraction. Right. So we lose that when we stop finding that diaphragmatic breath because we start to breathe more shallow shallow breaths. So now this is something I always start my classes teaching people before an ujjayi breath or anything it's just to breathe into your upper back and your ribs.
1: That's great. That's great. It's it's cool to see how, you know, an experience outside of what you might have considered your yoga practice really integrated and um and gave you new Information not only for yourself, but that you can now share with your students and I see yes. I see you online You know, you have a huge following of people who are inspired by what you're doing um, Have you found that you're connecting with a lot of? Uh, yoga students who themselves are going through pregnancy and motherhood now
0: Yes, definitely. I I think that I I Um, I've connected more now a lot more uh, moms I think follow and ask questions and even like I've had a few more pregnant students come to class and to workshops and things like that and I now I feel like before if I had a a pregnant student in my class I would always feel happy and a little bit nervous because I don't understand how it feels like or you know I, I know how to kind of guide them in the asana way, like what not to do and things like that. But now I feel like I can really connect to how they're feeling. And, and I had three pregnant students in my last workshop in Cairo and I just, you know, gave them all the diaphragmatic stuff and the, the, the pelvic floor and the navel in and up all these like, you know, deep core activations that I wish I knew about during my pregnancy because it was only after that I started to read more about the stuff. Amazing. So it was very interesting. Yeah.
1: I can I can relate to your your past sort of anxiety around that. Like, yeah, I mean I know technically what to say and what how to how to guide, but I don't have that experience. I don't know what it's like to have a human being growing inside of me. So um, yeah. yeah. So I'm happy that there are teachers like yourself who who have a wealth of knowledge about yoga, but also have gone through that experience because you're you're doing a great I- service.
0: I always get also a little nervous when I get questions like, you know, is it okay to invert during your pregnancy? Is it okay to do this? Is it okay, is it okay to do that? Because I think everyone is so different that there's no, and it's hard to sometimes, you know, like... I guess it's not the ideal answer that people want to hear, but it's the truth that there's no absolute yes or no. You can't just say, like, yes, it's okay to invert, because some people get lightheaded when they're pregnant and inverting is not for them, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're never going to really know what's right and wrong for that person. So there's like, you know, the general things where it's like, don't do bow on your belly when you're pregnant. Of course, it's logical, but other things, like, it depends on how you're feeling. And yeah, so I still get very kind of like i don't know how to answer this (laughs) when Mm -hmm. i get questions like asana related pregnancy questions that are very individual
1: yeah basically the answer is you have to see for yourself
0: yeah and 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 you have to feel for yourself if it feels right or not because it's like uh i feel like your body will tell you if you're listening yeah
1: so the other baby that you've brought into the world since we've been uh, since we were in training together was your online platform. Talk to me about the living room yoga sessions. What was the inspiration for that, and uh, how has it started to take shape?
0: So, living room yoga sessions started because when I was living in Abu Dhabi, I didn't have a studio nearby, and I really wanted to start yoga. So I started to like you know find gather different sources of. Of uh, like online classes I would do some YouTube classes I would do you know different things I would travel to workshops but it was very difficult because I couldn't physically go to a studio so uh, then I had some people reaching out to me online after I started sharing parts of my practice and after doing my certification and they were like you know I don't have a studio nearby I want to learn what you have learned and so it inspired us to put together a, a series of six classes that are Designed to be exactly as though you're in a studio, so they're you know from ninety from uh, sixty to ninety minutes long, so they're pretty long, and they're just designed to give you all the tools that you need to develop a home practice. So it starts with a short pranayama, and then it goes into uh, the foundations, you know, the sun citations, how to do your planks properly, how to do your chaturangas, downward dog, upward dog, all these things, and then it moves on to every class has a focus, so you have like. A hip-opening focused class, vinyasa class. You have uh, uh, an inversion one that builds strength so that you're able to do your inversions with the wall, building that trust with yourself. So yeah, so each class has like a focus, and we shot them together in our living room, me and my husband, when I was in my first trimester. So we shot them and put them out there. (laughs) Yeah, was so I I wasn't showing. I wasn't showing yet, but I was literally getting out of bed to film the classes and then back into bed.
1: Were were you aware at the time? Were you already aware you were pregnant?
0: Yeah, I knew I was pregnant. I was I was feeling so the wild thing about the first trimester is it's a, it's when you feel most pregnant but you're not showing at all to anyone. Uh-huh. So, you feel so different, but you're you look the same <laughs> and everyone treats you the same.
1: Yeah. Right. So that's
0: why it's kind of like you don't
1: get the special treatment whoa. on the subway.
0: No, not <laughs> at all. no one gets up at all no one you don't even like show at all wow, yeah, so we shot those then, and then my husband edited everything really quickly and um yeah he he's amazing, like he did everything from A to Z, just all him, and put them out there
1: that's amazing what a what a nice gift to have a supportive partner like that
0: yeah he he can teach himself to do anything and he'll do it on a professional level. It's like so inspiring to watch.
1: Well, I remember taking a few photos with Aziz and yeah, he's, he's a pro and he, and he does These are with, beautiful photos. Yeah, he's a, he's I an love amazing those. photographer and, um, and he just does everything with a smile.
0: Yeah, he, he does everything with such passion. Like even handstands. We started doing handstand classes together and my handstand coach was just so amazed. He's like, You're you're so good at this man, you're like learning really fast. He's so amazed. <laughs> it's like, have you done this before? And it's like, No, never.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge that you faced in putting together the living room yoga sessions?
0: For me personally, I think it was just it, it was. It wasn't so challenging. It was like every day. I guess it was more like speaking into the mic and all that stuff. I had never done anything like that before, so it was a good practice. But by the last day of shooting, it was just a lot more easier. Like it, it became more natural. Mm-hmm. So that I think that was the most challenging part, and I think because I was so like. I was in another world back then. I wasn't as much of a perfectionist about it as I am right now. So if I shot these classes now, I would probably have shot, reshot them like 10 times over and over. But back then I wasn't attached so much. I, I just wanted to put them out there. I knew I was on a, t- it was a time sensitive thing. So <laughs> I just did it. And, oh, because and that you wanted was really cool to before, do.
1: It. Before you started showing, right?
0: Exactly. And so it was like, let's just I'm, I'm happy with what we did and and i think when i look when i watch them now i'm really proud of what we did I, like sometimes being a perfectionist like nitpicking everything i think can um take away rather than add oh, so yeah. it was it's cool to see that i just did that because now i don't think i'd be able to do it like that
1: mm-hmm yeah that that deadline <laughs> that like biological natural deadline probably was a <laughs> yeah. blessing because i agree it with was. you perfection and and i'm the sort of person who who can tend to get caught up in that too can yeah. be such a roadblock because it stops you from getting what you're trying to create out there and who knows you know maybe you spend a lot of time like perfecting something in your mind but it's actually totally off base and you you need other people to be able to give you that third person perspective that might change things drastically for you
0: very true it happens a lot sometimes when me and Aziz shoot together where he'll take a photo of a pose and I see it and I'm like I think I can do it better and then I do it again and again and again and we end up using the first one and he always reminds me he's like see we didn't have to go into all this (laughs) you could have just use the first one because it was the best one and sometimes that's just how it is you know you think you can recreate it better but uh you just have to like what you see and that's it yeah
1: Yeah, that's a good good practice in and of itself too yeah so what is the future of the of the platform are you intending to put out more classes on there or are you happy with what's available do you have a broader vision for including other teachers what do you have in mind
0: yeah, definitely. So my husband right now is finishing a programming course, so he wants to actually set up an app and wants to, like, have, you know, develop kind of the inter- the user interface better. And, and we want to definitely build more classes, but we first want to create a better user experience for the people on there right now. So we want to have, um, fix up the website, have an app, have kind of an easier way to access everything. And then from there, add more classes, maybe even add more teachers, you know, we for sure the the steps are just like improving that and then adding more classes and then maybe adding more teachers mm-hmm. <laughs> down the line yeah.
1: yeah it's nice to have like a long-term vision but at the same time sometimes being being too um looking too far ahead can be overwhelming so it's it's good that you're focusing one step at a time i think
0: yeah like prioritizing you know people that are on there right now we want to just have them kind of strengthen their relationship to it by making it a little more user-friendly. And it's very, very basic right now because he, he you know, he's kind of, it's his little baby, like it's his project. As he learns more things in coding, he's starting to implement that. It's like his project, which is really cool. So then the next step is an app. And I definitely want to add more intermediate classes on there because right now it's only beginner. So that's something we're also looking to do right. within like, by the end of this year.
1: And are you are you getting much feedback from the people who are on there using it?
0: Yeah, I've I've gotten I was telling my husband the other day, like really grateful because we've gotten only really good feedback about the classes themselves. But sometimes it's like little, you know, little technical things like someone, uh, someone purchases the videos, and they're supposed to get a link right after and then you know, they don't get the link right away. So we have to kind of manually email them. So it's all these little technical things that we want to perfect, but the classes themselves, people are, are, are very happy with them, which is everything that I wanted. That's great. So we're really grateful for that. So yeah, people love the classes and they, you know, show me their progress and they write us about how it's made a difference in their practice, which is literally like <laughs> the dream. So
1: Yeah, that's everything. I mean, that's everything, especially when you have some sort of project that can develop into, you know, lots of menial tasks and and, um, errors and and problems to fix. You have to have that that underlying reason why, because otherwise it's very easy to like turn it into a chore. But I can tell that you have that vision and you have a motivation underneath that that's is very pure
0: yes we, we we're so happy that we put them out there and like like i said like it's it's really for me i would you know all the little technical things i i have no problem like working on and making sure that they're perfect just because i know that like the fundamental you know <laughs> the the sort of the heart of the platform is what people like and it's good and i'm proud of it so yeah
1: what else do you have going on? Um, are you are you traveling to teach?
0: Yeah, I'm traveling. I just came back from a trip to my ho- from my hometown, where I taught two workshops, and I'm planning on. Um, I have a Bali retreat coming up in August, which I'm excited about, and then I'm gonna head back to Egypt and teach on the North Coast, where people are, people are usually. Uh, escape the heat of the city and go there. So my sister taught a few workshops there last year and it was really good. So I'm excited to join her and teach there by the beach, which is really nice. <laughs> and, Will you be um, teaching together? I think we might not have the same dates oh, okay. uh, teaching, but w- but we might end up like overlapping for a few days. So we're not exactly sure if we're going to teach together. But last the, the last few workshops I taught, we taught together and it was really interesting to see how we both kind of Developed our teaching in different ways, and then we met to teach together,
1: yeah, yeah, it did, was cool did you did you contradict each other and conflict in ways that you didn't expect?
0: It was really interesting that we didn't because she it's like, you know, I hadn't taught with her since the lighthouse training. And I've been teaching, taking elements of what I liked from from the training that we did. And she's been taking different elements. And then when we met to teach together, it was almost like it was a Jared class. <laughs> it was so interesting, because she was saying things, you know, that we t- we learned that I had kind of forgotten about or not been using. And I was saying things that she forgot about and had not been using. And then together, we were just kind of like, yeah, you guys would have. Uh, Jared would have been proud. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Sounds like you came a lot up of with cues.
1: That. Yeah, something complimentary.
0: Yeah, it was it was complimentary, and and I love that we were giving each other the space to teach, you know, what we how however we wanted. But then if if you know I forgot to say something that she thinks is important, she just like added in there very gently, and same for her. So it was, it, we kind of bounced off of each other's energies in such a nice way. I think
1: That's it felt good.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's a challenge, you know. Not not everyone can do that. Veronica and I sometimes go and teach places together, and we've learned, you know, we have to have separate <laughs> things because we we're like psychically attacking each other. Like, don't say that.
0: <laughs> yes, it's it's challenging, and you have to let go at some point of what you think needs to be said at the right time because it's someone else teaching with you. So yeah, 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 but but I think it's it's also like you know, Hannah. Watching her, watching her teach a class at 19, you know, it's, it's such a, for me, it's sometimes I, I'm kind of like the proud mother, like I'm just standing there, like in awe of how she can lead a group of people in such, so beautifully at such a young age. She's, uh, she's really inspiring.
1: Definitely. Definitely very yeah. inspiring. What's, um, what's the deal with the Bali retreat?
0: So the Bali retreat is going to be in Ubud and it's for a week. And I'm teaching it, co-teaching it with my friend, Lemis, who has such an inspiring and beautiful practice. And I've never actually been on a retreat before, but she's led yoga retreats before. So that's why I was very excited to do it with someone who has more experience and kind of learn from them as well as I'm there. and create an experience that we, we you know, hope people would enjoy where there's asana practice two times a day, there's a meditation class, and then there's also a lot of exploring around bali and um yeah kind of also some chill time
1: great yeah i have been meaning to make it to bali i have not been yet but it seems like a really special place and i'm sure going with you would be an amazing experience
0: yeah i was just gonna ask you if you've been there we we went there for our honeymoon a few years ago and i hadn't i didn't have yoga in my life back then so i'm excited to you know, experience it from the yoga side. <laughs> I feel like it has a lot of fun things to do there.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Amina, can you leave our audience, if if there are listeners um, listening to this episode who are um, ab- or are considering becoming pregnant or have just become pregnant, um, mm-hmm. leave them with some parting advice to guide them over the next nine months in their yoga practice.
0: Yeah, so I guess the thing I would most like to say is to listen to your body at this time. It's such a special time and it's such a such a powerful time as well. So making sure that you're spending time to listen to your body and how it's feeling and just really focusing kind of internally is something so powerful and not attaching yourself to the physical parts and enjoying the physical parts, doing what feels good physically, but not attaching to what you, you know, can or can't do and letting go of this idea that you're going to lose your practice or lose aspects of it because nothing I think is ever lost. It's things are changing and transforming and, and taking the, you know, the way that they're supposed to take, but not, I, I don't believe that something is ever going to be lost. So honor that and enjoy your time with yourself.
1: Yes. Energy yeah. can not be created or destroyed, only transformed. Yes. Apart from, getting, apart from getting your message out on the podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma?
0: Today, I am spending the day with my son, who is about to turn one in a few days. That's <laughs> very, wow. day. very exciting. <laughs> and he's just started running. So he started walking a few weeks ago, and now he's running. So... I have my hands very full in the best way, and I might just, yeah, walk around, enjoy the beautiful weather. That's it. (laughs) That's it for today.
1: While you're chasing him around, use your mula and Uddiyana Bandha.
0: Yes, to pick him up, (laughs) always. (laughs) Exactly.
1: All right, Amina, let's move on to the final section of the interview, the prana round. I'm going to ask you Mm -hmm. six rapid fire questions. I know that you've listened to the show before, so maybe you're prepared. Maybe not. Okay. Um, (laughs) Answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay? Okay. In one word, why do you practice yoga?
0: Oh, this is so hard. Um, (laughs) I'm having a mind spasm. I'm not prepared for this. Okay. (laughs) In one word, why do I practice yoga? To meet myself.
1: What is your favorite yoga pose and why?
0: Child's pose. And because I can take a pause in between my practice.
1: What is the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from a yoga teacher?
0: Breathe into your upper back.
1: (laughs) Recommend one book, modern or ancient, for our listeners
0: untethered soul michael singer yes
1: is yoga for everyone definitely last question how can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma
0: um the best way to get in touch is to email me at info at aminatahayoga.com and how you can support my dharma is just by um (laughs) that's a difficult one um Yeah, just checking out uh, my website and getting in touch in whatever way, if that inspires you, that's it.
1: Amina, thank you so much for sharing some of your precious time with me and the Dharma Talk community. It's been way too long and I will definitely have to come swing by and take your class soon. So until then, thank you and, um, and have a beautiful day with your son.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll come to your class soon,
1: too. See you soon. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running. A donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at henrywins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.